0: Fancy a night on the town? Then check out the professional wrestling action live from the Chicago Coliseum. Will Stanislaus Sabisco tie Joel Zickman up in 17,000 knots once again? Can all-American Mike Romano see off a challenge by Germany's Herman Koch? And how will world champion Ed Strangler Lewis fare when he puts all the gold on the line against world-renowned jiu-jitsu specialist Tayo Miyaki? Answers to all these questions and more can be found on new year's day at the chicago coliseum you can buy the seat but you'll only need the edge the gold dust trio were changing the wrestling world with their touring promotion at the beginning of the 1920s Ed Strangler-Lewis as champion at the top of the show, Billy Sandow as the business manager, and Tootsmont as the matchmaker. They made for a fine triumvirate. Three men who refused to let the industry they love go quietly into the night as a result of poor ticket sales and disinterest. They curated the slam-bang Western style of wrestling. Big characters, long storylines, extravagant moves, and big match finishes that was clearly drawing the punters back. The irony? That doubling down on the fixed nature of pro wrestling was legitimizing it with the fans. We talked last time about how the proposed wrestler versus boxer match that didn't happen between Ed Lewis and boxing champ Jack Dempsey actually saw the audience predicting victory for The Strangler, proving that wrestling was very much cool again. I have followed every line of athletics and find that wrestling is the best bodybuilder and health builder in athletics. I have wrestled for 17 years, and during that time, I have toured all over the world and met and defeated the best wrestlers. And Lewis has his famous headlock working. They didn't call Ed Strangler for no reason because this hold came very close to being an illegal one, which might possibly result in a fatal finish for Lewis's opponent. Now, it might seem sketchy that Ed Strangler-Lewis, one-third of the Gold Dust Trio, had booked himself as the main attraction all the time. There was a reason for this, and it was primarily security. As one of the owners and operators of the business, Ed knew he would always put his company's interests first. He wasn't going to skip town and miss a major show. He wasn't going to be encouraged to join another promotion. No, he was part of... That promotion until the very end. This is why, throughout wrestling history, so many of the promoters made themselves or their kin the champion in order to protect their lot. Now there was, of course, a touch of ego that went with this with some promoter wrestlers who stayed on top for far too long. He had enough business now, did Strangler Lewis, to understand that he couldn't, nor shouldn't, be a champion forever. Here comes Lewis, knowing that his opponent is young, talented and tough. Ed Lewis would gladly drop the title to The Next Big Thing. The trio found a few of these. However, each time, the crowd simply didn't connect with them. So the belt would return to the strangler, and the story would continue. Rinse, repeat. That was until 1924, when the Gold Dust Trio met a collegiate football player named Wayne Munn. six foot six the man known as nebraska's giant was in every sense a standout in college football and beyond he left school and enrolled in the army and at the end of his time he returned home to become a car salesman he also had a stint working as a clown for the campbell brothers circus i mean that is a weird cv when you break it down isn't it Lewis, Sandow and Mont, the Gold Dust Trio, saw this large, well-built, handsome, charismatic man and decided that his future didn't lie in pushing Model T's or spraying flowers filled with water. Wayne Munn had the look of a professional wrestling megastar. (laughs) There was one problem. It was just a look, as Wayne Munn wasn't a very good wrestler. In fact, he had no wrestling experience at all. Now, historically, your top guys in your company could hold their own in a real shoot wrestling match and stretch strangers seven ways to Sunday if required. Wayne Munn was certainly not one to be able to do that. When other promoters caught wind that the Gold Dust Trio were planning to fast-track a wrestling rookie to the top of the business, the reaction was mainly disgust. Joe Stetcher, a rival promoter, argued that the Gold Dust Trio were changing wrestling too much and risked making it into a laughingstock. Stetcher was a wrestling veteran. Stetcher was a wrestling veteran who was proficient in the submission style of wrestling and he could handle himself in a real fight and he had done on multiple occasions. The idea of the champion being so unskilled and so vulnerable was something that Joe Stetcher has serious reservations about. Regardless of the thoughts of the industry at large, Lewis, Sandow and Mont were going to prove everybody wrong and they pushed ahead. Wayne Munn was going to be the biggest star in professional wrestling. They just needed to, you know... Teach him how to wrestle. Munn was put through the ringer. He was training with Toots Munt during the day, and when sufficiently trained, he was in the ring on an evening with Billy Sandow watching over. His opponents were carefully chosen and the matches were meticulously choreographed by Mont. They had him decisively beating his opponents all over the country, causing a real stir around this guy that had just appeared out of nowhere and was putting the wrestling world on notice. In the slam-bang Western style, Munn looked dominant and awe-inspiring. One of his cherry-picked fights was against a seasoned veteran named Stanislaus Zbysko. Zbysko was born on April 1st, 1879, in a village near Krakow, Poland. He was highly scholastic, deeply involved in music, philosophy, and law. As well as having a powerful mind, though, Stanislaus Zbysko also had a powerful body, becoming one of the youngest members of the renowned Vindabona Athletic Club. After college, Zbysko took to wrestling, and as he had done with everything else he excelled stanislaus became the fastest rising greco-roman wrestler in europe in the early 1900s he would mix it up with the likes of frank gotch and ivan Podubny, two massive names from wrestling in the 1900s after some legendary fights in the states as a young man including a one hour controversial time limit draw with frank gotch zabisco spent several decades fighting around europe he was in his 40s when he was approached by the gold dust trio to return to america and join their traveling group full time now the slam bang western style of wrestling was very different to the greco-roman style that stanislaus Sabisco had become a champion in during his early years however as a wrestling veteran there was still a lot to offer When Tabisco was asked to lose decisively to their young star, Wayne Munn, he was insulted. Dropping a fight to an unskilled amateur like Munn, who, in his eyes, was unworthy of the stardom he was being handed, was an absolute slap in the face. Under duress, Stanislaus did what he was told and got paid. Why out of everybody in the wrestling world was Zabisco the most upset with Wayne Munn's big push? To answer that question, We go back to March the 3rd, 1922. When Zabisco came in to the Gold Dust Trio's promotion, he defeated Ed Strangler Lewis to become the world champion. The trio were keen to push this veteran Polish powerhouse as their flagship star, giving him a second chance at the top of the mountain. However, the audience, for one reason or another, just didn't connect with Zabisco this time around, and ticket sales took a dive. That fateful night in question, March the 3rd, 1922, was the night that Stanislaus Abisko swallowed a very bitter pill, losing the championship belt back to Ed Strangler-Lewis and moving down the car. And he's panning him. There he is, Lewis the winner. There's Humphreys raising Lewis's hand. And now Joe Humphreys is calling an end to the proceedings by proclaiming to the world at large the fall, which was a headlock and the time and the winner, Ed Strangler-Lewis... So you can kind of see why Stanislaus Abisco might have an issue with Wayne Munn, who, by this point, was getting a strong fan following behind him. And he was racking up the wins around the country as well. It was announced on January the 8th, 1925, that Wayne Munn would challenge Ed Strangler Lewis to a two out of three falls match for the World Championship. It was a packed out crowd. Whilst the fan favourite was Wayne Munn, the consensus was that Ed Strangler Lewis would, as he always had done, find a way to defeat the youngster and retain his title. However, on this night, as soon as the bell sounded, something was different. Every time Lewis went for a hold or a submission, Wayne Munn would muscle out of it. Even Ed Lewis's patented headlock, the move that defeated Lewis's greatest opponents, wasn't enough to slow down Munn. Munn dropped Lewis from a great height with an almighty slam to pick up a three-count and the first fall in their match. Moments later, the second fall began. This time Munn hoyed Lewis up and shocked the crowd by throwing him over the top rope and to the outside. The sellout attendees were in awe, having not seen Lewis take a pasting like this ever before. Throwing your opponent over the top rope at this point, however, was illegal. So the fall went to the Strangler by disqualification. Lewis crawled back into the ring and the referee called for a 15-minute rest period to allow the champion time to recover. When the quarter of an hour was up, the bell sounded and Munn rushed the beaten-up Lewis, slamming him onto the mat once again and getting a second and decisive pinfall in under a minute. Munn and Lewis put on a show that night, very much steered by the superior Lewis to make the challenger look unstoppable. Two falls to one and Wayne Munn was the new world heavyweight champion. Munn became a superstar and the crowds loved him. This was a powerhouse who wasn't just defeating his opponents, he was destroying his opponents in record time. He was fast becoming the hottest prospect in professional wrestling. Monomania was metaphorically running wild, predating Hulk Hogan's rapid ascension by 60 years. This was all down to incredible selling from Ed Strangler Lewis in their first encounter, from Toots Monster who managed to get this rookie to a decent standard of professional wrestling and to Billy Sandow, who was booking the right people to be across the ring from Munn to make him look incredible. The Gold Dust Trio had made a star. A rematch with Ed Strangler Lewis was looming and it was going to be a big box office draw. Before they got there, though... There was a scheduled match between Wayne Munn and old nemesis Stanislaus Zabisco. You remember Zabisco from earlier, don't you? He was the guy who was upset with the whole Wayne Munn experiment. He was disgusted with the Gold Dust Trio for making him lose clean to their chosen one. However, Lewis had placated Zabisco since then, and it was agreed that Zabisco would lose to Mun en route to the big Mun Lewis rematch. We move now to April the 25th, 1925. Wayne Munn, the reigning and unstoppable world champion, was surrounded by screaming fans as he stepped into the ring against the veteran Stanislaw Zabisco. The bell sounded. Zabisco locked up with Munn in the centre of the ring and said into Munn's ear in a sinister tone, tonight we wrestle. Something was amiss. Munn attempted to lift Zabisco as planned in the match, but Stanislaus did not play along. Instead, he easily grappled Munn to the ground and made the cover. The referee, who was aware of the planned finish, didn't count the fall initially, but the fans were calling for the official to do his job. So, reluctantly, he counted the three. Zabisco stood up and celebrated, having won the first fall with great ease. The crowd was stunned, and so was Munn, who had been outclassed seconds into his title defence. This was a problem. The title match, one that had been carefully planned to play into Wayne Munn's strengths, had become a shoot fight, a real wrestling match. Munn was out of his depth. The Gold Dust Trio were horrified but they couldn't intervene. It would totally kill the credibility of the entire wrestling show. Munn's manager would attempt to get the match nullified, citing that Wayne Munn was suffering from acute tonsillitis. However, it didn't work, as Zabisco humiliated Munn throughout the second fall. Zabisco tied up Munn with a forearm hammerlock with both shoulders on the mat, and the referee was forced to count a second pinfall. With that, Stanislav Zabisco had become the world heavyweight champion. Zabisco was immediately fired from the Goldust Trio's promotion, but he couldn't care less. He was on his way to the bank to cash a cheque handed to him by his new employer, rival promoter Joe Stetcher. You see, before this match had started, Stanislav Zabisco and Joe Stetcher had a private meeting. Both upset with the rise of the bang average Wayne Munn, Stetcher made Zabisco an offer to show the true colours of this supposed wrestling superstar. Zabisco agreed to sign for the match against Munn, then shoot on him once the bell sounded, win the title, put the belt on Stetcher's desk. After a lot of wrangling, Ed Lewis was able to secure after a lot of wrangling, Ed Strangler Lewis was able to secure a match with Zabisco, the result of which saw Lewis soundly defeating the defector. There was no chance that Zabisco was going to attempt to shoot on Ed Lewis. However, Wayne Munn by this point was finished in the eyes of the fans. That beating from Zabisco exposed Munn, and whilst Lewis tried to rekindle the fire in a series with Big Wayne, it was already out. His short and sweet time in the spotlight was over, and the Gold Dust Trio would seek out another star for the top of their shows. This embarrassment to the Gold Dust Trio formed cracks in the group. Some say that this April night in 1925 was the beginning of the end for Ed Lewis, Billy Sandow and Toots Mond.